I'm Michael R. Malley, and this is Fresh Green Blessings, reading the Judeo-Christian Bible through a Buddhist lens with Mother Earth eyes. Fresh Green Blessings, and I'm Michael R. Malley. And I'm Ollie Ren Erickson Malley. And today we'll have perhaps the most famous reading from the New Testament, John 3.16. But uh, we'll be looking at the Gospel of John and contrasting it with what we find in the other Gospels, um, especially Matthew. Uh, Ollie will have the reading of the Gospel. I will have a reading uh, reflection on that, and then I'll share a Dharma talk. And that's a, really, it's a mindful reflection. It's a guided meditation, if you will, a slow reflection that you're invited to listen to and enjoy with presence. Finally, Ali will share a few closing thoughts and questions. As always, we have the Tibetan Singing Bowl, and you are, as always, invited to enjoy the sound of the bell. Today's reading is from John, chapter three, verse 16 from the King James Version. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that who shall ever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Most Christians are familiar with the phrase, only begotten Son, to describe Jesus. In the King James Version of the Bible, this phrase is found four times in the Gospel according to John. But this phrase is not found in the other three Gospels. Similarly, in the translation of the New Revised Standard Version, John is the one gospel where Jesus is referred to as God's only Son. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all reference Jesus as a Son of God, but these other three gospels, known collectively as the Synoptic Gospels for their similarities to each other and because of their differences with John, never say that Jesus is the only Son of God. In fact, Matthew especially emphasizes that we are all sons and daughters of God. The most famous prayer in Christianity begins, Our Father, which art in heaven. The Our Father prayer is only found in Matthew's Sermon on the Mount. When talking with others, the Matthean Jesus tells the people that God is your Father 15 times. John uses the your Father phrase only twice as a descriptor of God, and one of those two times he is using it to show 
that others are not the children of God. John 8:42 and 44 reads, Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God, and now I am here. You are from your father, the devil. This is a very different usage of the phrase, your father, when compared to the words of Matthew's Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. But whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. It should be no surprise that the Jonanine Jesus would not suggest a prayer that begins, Our Father, which art in heaven. Because from John's theological viewpoint, only Jesus is the Son of God. The point here is not to elevate one understanding of Jesus over another. The point is to awaken those of us who love Jesus and his teachings to the reality that from very early on, different people understood Jesus quite differently. Councils and theologians have worked hard to meld and conflate these differing understandings into a unified whole, and you may wish to do the same, but we risk losing much of the depth and breadth of Christianity in the process. Just as there are many schools of Buddhism, we may attempt to discern what some of the early schools of Christianity were and how they differed. As a beginning point, a careful study of different Gospels will show you that different early Christian groups held not marginally different understandings of Jesus. Instead, they held radically differing theological perspectives on both who Jesus was and what the primary message was of Jesus' life and teachings. What might be gained by recognizing, exploring, reaffirming, and celebrating the rich diversity of meanings that Christianity has offered its advocates for 2,000 years? D.T. Suzuki, in his book entitled Essays in Zen Buddhism, writes about the diversity of schools of thought around Buddhism. He writes of the different understandings of Buddha and the Buddha's teachings and how they evolve differently. Many people who um, may feel rather familiar with Buddhism in the West might be surprised to learn that there are schools of Buddhism that see the Buddha as a god. Those schools don't tend to get much play here in the United States. But that is how some have viewed the Buddha. And we might even say that there's not just this either-or thinking along that line, but maybe um, a variety of ways that people have thought of the Buddha and Buddhism in terms of how much they see him as a teacher and how much there is a worship of the Buddha. Howard Thurman a uh, Christian mystic from the 20th century, has said that 
he's much more interested in the religion of Jesus rather than the religion about Jesus. This to me sounds similar to when Catherine Keller writes that some people are focused on the status of Jesus while others are more focused on the teachings of Jesus. And one of the things that I've known for a long while, but didn't really dive deeply into until, probably until I was in seminary, was the differences if you just look at the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I had opportunity to take a semester and just study one Gospel or to just study another Gospel. And you will find that the author's intentions in terms of how we think about Jesus are very different in these different texts and that we have brought them all together in a way that Buddhists haven't necessarily done. People will sometimes, you know, people will tend to stick with the differing schools of Buddhism and not necessarily integrate all the schools into one Buddhism. And therefore, sometimes people will talk about Buddhisms. And people have talked as well about Christianities. Now this will, of course, sound heretical to a lot of people. But I submit that if you sit down and study, let's say, for example, the Gospel according to Matthew and the Gospel according to John, you will find two fundamentally different understandings of who Jesus was and what the mission of Jesus was or is. Not that there aren't similarities, not that there aren't even strange conflicts within the gospel that make it difficult to come to, you know, this kind of clear understanding of, oh, here is exactly what um, the writers of Matthew thought about Jesus, or here is exactly what um, the writers of the gospel of John thought about Jesus. But there are clearly differences. One of the stories that I remember hearing years ago is that we should think of the Gospels um, like you might think of different witnesses who are seeing things from the same events from just slightly different perspectives, slightly different angles, just as you might have witnesses to, uh, uh, who observe uh, a car accident or something and see things from, from different sides, but they're all watching the same thing. I don't think that's a very good way of looking at this.
I want to invite you to try, if you can, to let go of all of your thoughts of who this Jesus is, why he was here, and to try and read afresh, read anew these Gospels. And I suggest that you take one and read through it. Now, think of this with a friend or a loved one or maybe your partner. We tend to approach them with a whole set of beliefs about them that really hem them in. Or you might feel this as others think about you. Sometimes when you're around people who haven't known you for a long time, all of a sudden, you may be able to express yourself in new ways. You may be respected in ways that you felt you never were before. You may start to see things in yourself that you haven't seen before because people are looking at you with fresh eyes. They're not coming with all these expectations that Alice is always like this. We know all about Alice. Stephen, this is how Steve is. You can expect this and this and this of him, but he would never do that. Is it heretical to go to the sacred text or maybe to go to some of the people who've reflected deeply on Jesus, on his life, on his teachings, whether contemporary folks or people from centuries ago, and to read with fresh eyes and to get new views. If a friend or family member could do that with us, we would I think we would see them as trying to honor us. Not to belittle us. Not to cage us in. Not to limit us to whatever understanding they had of us 10 years ago. Or 30 years ago. We see this especially with families, right? You get together with family or people that are old, old friends from years ago. And they expect you to be just the way you were. Whatever picture they had of you, whether it was accurate or inaccurate, they expect you to fit that picture and not to be outside that box. Many of us formed our pictures of just who this Jesus is when we were children. And as I've said on other episodes of Fresh Green Blessings, we do want the eyes of children. We want that that open, receptive view. But something else we want is fresh eyes. To be able to look anew. To be able to see things that we did not see before. And maybe to see things that challenge our thinking.
In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, there is no mention in any of those three Gospels that Jesus is God. Certainly, Jesus has some special role, and it's complicated, and it's rich. And they don't say that he's not God, or maybe they do. But what does that mean? That probably the writers of those three Gospels held a view that is quite different than the view of the majority of people who call themselves Christian today. Yet they were writing about something extraordinary and someone extraordinary. The life of this person, this being, held a transformational quality that moved them far beyond where they were before his teachings came. Into some new realm. I'm making no claim here to having the understanding of who this Jesus is, who this Jesus was. But I am saying this. We come from a tradition, those of us who are in the Christian tradition, we come from a tradition where people had multiple, multiple understandings of Jesus. And they were inspired to share those understandings. They were inspired to be his followers. We do ourselves and we do our ancestors. And perhaps we do Jesus himself a great disservice if we ignore or dismiss this.
you may be most drawn to a Johnanine understanding of Jesus. One that emphasizes a religion about Jesus, the worship of Jesus. But another person may be much more drawn to Matthew's understanding of Jesus. One that emphasizes what one does. One that emphasizes following Jesus' teachings. And one that also holds a complex, rich, and difficult understanding of who this Jesus is and was. Martin Luther King Jr. once said that people were accusing him of trying to act like Jesus in his work with civil rights. And certainly King, like me and like you, was no perfect human being, but he was certainly trying in his work for justice to follow ever so deeply those teachings. He was accused of trying to do that. And he said, I'm a Christian. My job is to follow as closely as I can those teachings of Jesus. That's my work. King was more in line with Howard Thurman, who was interested not as much in the religion about Jesus, but the religion of Jesus. Many will be called heretics if they follow that path.
But if you fall, but if you say that those who follow the teachings of Jesus are more focused on that than on the status of Jesus, if you say that those folks are not Christian, please be sure. Please be sure to say that in your estimation, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., that Baptist minister, was not a Christian. Please be sure to say that in your thinking, the Christian mystic Howard Thurman was not a Christian. And I invite you to read closely the synoptic gospels of Matthew, Luke, and Mark. For you may have to say that Matthew was not a Christian, or Luke was not a Christian, or Mark was not a Christian. I wonder what Christianity and the teachings of Jesus may give this world if we recognize these as Christianity. The Buddhists speak of the outer teacher and the inner teacher. And Jesus said that that inner teacher, the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, would be sent for us to guide us. And I invite you, and I invite me, to open our hearts to that inner teacher. Because I think if we do, I think if we do, we can get some sense 
We need not be overly sure of ourselves, but I think we can get some sense. of what brings a smile to the face of Jesus. What brings a lightness and a joy to the heart of Jesus? And if we are doing that, if you are doing that, if I am doing that, maybe we can dare to call ourselves Christian. trying these activities, try to let go of your understanding of Jesus. Try to read the Bible with completely fresh eyes, as if you've never heard of this fellow named Jesus. Choose one of the three synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, or Luke, and study it. Read it deeply from beginning to end. What is the Gospel writer trying to convey about Jesus? and the importance of his life and teachings. Then read John's Gospel, studying it, reading it deeply from beginning to end. How does it compare with the message from the Synoptic Gospel that you read? How is it similar? Where is it different? I'm Michael R. Malley, and you've been listening to Fresh Green Blessings, where we've been reading the Judeo-Christian Bible through a Buddhist lens with Mother of Eyes.